With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. How long has it been since we did a podcast? It feels like four <laughs> weeks. I say that. It's not been long. You, you and I just did a podcast. Yep. Happy Tuesday yep. to you for all of you listening. Thank you for being with us. And all kinds of stuff has happened this weekend in all kinds of areas. And I feel like we got to do like a week's worth of catch-up, but it's been like four days. So much has happened. Yeah, there's a lot going on. By the way, the topping everything right now, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. season yeah, yeah. five has mm-hmm. dropped on Amazon Prime Video, so you and can Vimeo. find season five. Well. Yep. So now we have not actually dropped at this point, at this recording, episode six, mm-hmm. which is the brand new BMW Z4 versus the base 718 Porsche Boxster. Mm-hmm. So that is coming. Yes. That will air, I believe it's the last Saturday of September 2019. Yes. That's when it will air on the Motor Trend Cable Channel, but then we will add that as soon as that's ready to go. It's still in process, yes. is my it's understanding. It's actually picture locked. It's gone. To, for, for those of you that are curious okay. about the Hollywood steps, it's picture locked. It's gone to mix, and I need to do color. So we are okay. roughly... All right. 10 days, two weeks from it being on Amazon. That will go directly to Amazon. It will go directly to Amazon. Yes, before it's even on cable, it will be on Amazon. And here's the thing to note about Amazon. Again, we're dealing with the Amazon behemoth. We actually like being on there. We like a lot of you guys. They're able to see it that way. A couple little little notes about Amazon. The picture quality is better on Amazon than it is on cable. Yeah, we're still chasing that. We have definitely noted that. Thank you, guys. We've been getting some emails confirming that. We've seen your notes. Thank you. Uh, That is Like all brand new seasons of things of Amazon that are not made by Amazon, this costs you money. It just does. you got to rent it or yeah. buy it because yeah. that's the new stuff on Amazon. Our older seasons, as they, as they get older, they time out and they become free on Prime. But just like the new Avengers movie or the new Star Wars movie, mm-hmm. I mean, we're not at that category, but you follow what I'm saying. The reason Grand Tour is free on Amazon <laughs> is because Amazon owns the show. Exactly. They, they paid, they for, the paid show. for it. Yeah. So our stuff is available right now on Amazon, also on Vimeo. If you aren't in the U.S. or U.K., it's on Vimeo for the rest of the world. You can get five of the six episodes. Just a little bit of housekeeping here. If you buy the season on Vimeo, as I understand it, when season when episode six drops, it will just add to your season. On Amazon, they do not allow a buy season option until the season is closed out. So right, right now, right. you will see five episodes up there, but you can't click a buy season option. You can buy individual episodes. If you give me a couple weeks, that episode six will drop. Buy season option will appear, and you can buy the entire season. And we Those, just wanted to get the content out. That's why. Sure, we didn't want to keep sure. sitting on Absolutely. our hands because Absolutely. we want to share this content yes. with you. And we're actually releasing earlier a season while it's still actually airing on yes. television. We've never done that before. So we just wanted to get the content out, yeah. and that's why. So we're waiting for the episode six to drop. Yeah. Then we can close the season off and mm-hmm. declare it a season. So thank you guys already for those of you. I see that many of you are already watching it. But if you, but by the way, surprise, if you didn't know already, it was on Amazon Prime and Vimeo. <laughs> that, that's one of the pieces of news that happened since the last podcast, Yeah, which yeah. is really cool. So also, by the way, there are five full seasons of content available on Amazon Prime. Crazy. You can watch, I believe it's 30, well, once episode six drops, it'll be 34 half-hour episodes of television available on Amazon from us. When you've heard, if you're one of those people, we got an email this week. If you're one of those people that has just found the podcast, you started from the beginning, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. hi. 
By the time you get here, it's going to be like two years from now. Exactly. But, but hi. But hello. Because all of the five seasons you've been hearing about are all available on Amazon. By the time you catch up, it'll be like eight seasons. But the point is, they're all there. We'd love for you to watch them. Thank you for the support. All right. Well, we've got an excellent topic Tuesday for you from Sean Clark, and it's about cars falling out of favor. Mm-hmm. And we want to touch on this because this is, I've got a long list of cars and brands that have fallen out of favor. And he said, remember when the PT Cruiser was the hottest car around? It was selling above sticker. Now it's a joke. Yeah. What other cars have had this similar fall from grace? Mm-hmm. And then we've got a, a, um, a debate here from Colton S. He says, I want to reset my palate. <laughs> and he's talking about the quest for more horsepower. Yeah. What should yeah, he yeah. do? Should he pursue more horsepower? Should he reset his palate with mm-hmm. something non-horsepower-ish mm-hmm. and go a different direction? So we will definitely get to that. But we have some more news up front before we do get to this topic Tuesday. And I, oh, I want to share this. It's, oh, the um, news. It's happened, everyone. Lots has happened. It's it's happened. Uh, in particular, the Cayman got hit. I'm yeah. pretty bummed. Yeah. And I wanted to speak on this because um, I was out and about, and the car was parked. I was not in it. It was mm-hmm. parked on mm-hmm. a street. Yeah. And a person driving a Suburban backed into it. And they said they didn't see it. And fortunately, they left a note on my windshield the only the, good the news. note was a little bit strange because it was I hit your car and then they signed it all the best with their name. I thought um, all the best. I, I hit your car all the best. <laughs> what? Not the best day, if I'm honest. Not for yeah. me. So yeah, unfortunately, the Cayman has been hit. The problem was the suburban backed into the car, crunched the driver's mirror, mm-hmm. and got the sheet metal. So it went through all the way to the sheet metal and uh, dented the the driver's door. Dented just the door. I mean, it's the, not. This is not Just some the catastrophic man. thing. It was one of those, it was a it's slow not. speed bump, it's but it's a Suburban that backed into a sports car. It did. And yeah. by the way, before I continue, public service announcement, I highly suggest you actually turn around. I know we're relying on our backup cameras more and more these days, and they yeah. are getting better. Yeah. But it still doesn't take the place for actually twisting out of your seat and looking behind <laughs> you. That is the key. And you know what? My sister actually drove motor coaches when she was in college. They uh-huh. drove motor coaches okay. for Princess yeah, yeah. Tours up in Alaska. And... The biggest thing the instructor said when she was getting her CDL Mm -hmm. was if you're unsure about it, get out and go look. Mm -hmm. If you're unsure about where your your corners are and where your wheels are for this big thing, this Mm -hmm. big motor coach, get out and look. (laughs) And they were driving motor coaches actually to Whittier, Alaska. So they would drive them onto flatbed train cars. And you know how you know where your wheels are. You look down in your rearview mirrors, and that's why your lug nuts are sticking out. Mm. If you look where your lug nuts are in your front wheels, you know how far off you are. Wow. So that's why lug nuts are so long on those motor coaches. Anyway, the point is you get out and look if you're unsure. And, and unfortunately, this person didn't. So, yes, the Cayman is dinged. I'm bummed. But to be honest, the conclusion that I have reached is when you and I got our stuff stolen, Chance was with us on the trip, and he yeah. got a bunch of yeah, stuff yeah. stolen too. So the three yeah. of us... Had a lot of valuable stuff and data stolen. I lost mm-hmm. family photos. I yeah, lost yeah, a lot yeah. of data. We mm-hmm. all did. Yeah. That was actually a bigger kick in the, you know, yeah. than anything. Mm-hmm. This actually, it hurts, but it's, I'm trying to be very much less materialistic about it. It's, you know, cars mm-hmm. to all of us listening yeah. mean more to us than most people. We all love Completely. cars, yeah, yeah, and so yeah. they have a special place yeah, yeah. in our life. So, to some people, it's just a thing, mm-hmm. and if it gets dinged, okay. Yeah. And I'm really trying to bring a headspace of, all right, it's going to get fixed. Yeah, it's the hassle factor of having to call mm-hmm. the insurance and mm-hmm. going to find the body shop and getting it resurrected and all that stuff, but she'll get fixed. Yeah. And yeah. to be honest, getting stuff stolen and you know having your privacy invaded and that kind of thing is a far worse feeling. This mm-hmm. actually 
doesn't really kind of feel like anything, to be honest, in mm. a strange way. Mm. And me, you know, 20 years ago would have been doing yes. cartwheels down the street going flipping out. And but you, you know what? You would it's have been car. you would have been on it's a, a tear right around the time that I got to know you and you had your <laughs> Accord of all things. And then your your Audi right behind it. Yeah. You would have been tearing a, a section off the universe that <laughs> people would have known your car had been hit. And I have to yeah. say that something about and this sounds weird. Something about doing this show. And you and I driving a lot more things, Mm -hmm. knowing that the cars we own are meant to be driven and doing what we do here on the podcast where we talk about preciousness. We talk about we love these things. We value these things. They are art, but they are tools. And we need to go use Very them. Very much so. And that means they're going to get dinged and they're going to get scraped and stuff's going to happen. And you hope, you hope nobody's going to run into you. But but life exists. And accidents it does. happen. It does. And so the, the, the other thing that I think ha- – is problematic, and we're going to get to it uh, coming up here in a car debate, is you can just get so paralyzed by what if something happens mm-hmm. in any area of your life. Forget cars for a second. That's true. That you end up doing nothing. Yeah. But here we have cars that we like. I, I understand they cost money. I Trust me. I get it. Oh, yeah. Okay? Short yeah. of your house, the most expensive thing you bought was your car. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But you got to go use it. you got to enjoy it. And you have enjoyed that car like crazy. You will continue to enjoy that car. Yep. It isn't some sort of catastrophic thing. You will fix it and move on. However, I am still, I'm still, here I am, publicly applauding you. <laughs> Why, thank you. Because, hey. because I, I saw the aftermath, and then I saw, within reason, how well you took it. <laughs> how well you took it of a demeanor of, this sucks. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. You know, and you know what? I just I want to share this headspace because I know we all share. We're all different in in terms of the preciousness level, mm-hmm. and I do love that you and I have gotten our cars out. We've used them for track days. We're driving them more, and the memories we're creating with these cars, yeah, big time, are far better time, than yeah. okay, it's dinged. Yeah, it'll get fixed. Yeah, all right. I'm 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 just kind of ambivalent about it. I'm mm. just kind of cool with it, to be honest, because I Good. like that we've been using our cars. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sharing this with the headspace that for everybody listening just thinks, oh, I can't drive it. You know, it's like, well, you know, which would you rather see? You know, the Ferrari sitting there that's garage queen mm-hmm. perfect with just about, you know, 1,800 miles on it. And you think, well, that's kind of a bummer. Your car owns you. Yeah. 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 But I'm proud to say my car doesn't own me. Mm. And, you know, I had it out. I was driving it. Yeah. All right. Something happened. It's yeah. a bummer. Got to move on. I think about this with my son. You know, because we get him, in, I get him out, in and out of press cars. We actually have a Civic Type R press car right mm, now. Yes, that my wife and my son have decided they like far more than the Lancer, <laughs> except for the fact it's a lot more expensive than the Lancer. They're both like, "Really? You're going to take the Civic? You're going to bring the Lancer back?" It's like, "Thank you, guys." Apparently, I'll be the only one that likes the Lancer. We own but the okay. cars for a week, and then they have to go anyway, back to their, their OEMs. Anyway, but but I also think about this with my son because I walk this this line with him sometimes mm-hmm. of don't get the car muddy, don't slam the doors, be respectful of the car, but at the same time. You're my son, and you have more value than the car. So there's that weird there's that weird line where sometimes (laughs) if I'm if I'm being precious with the car around him, I'm trying to do it from a place of instruction of be respectful of stuff. Don't don't doesn't mean it can be deliberately destructive. Don't tear it up. Don't be disrespectful of it. So it gets it gets more worn than it could. But at the same time, it is still just a thing. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. You and I obviously both kind of walk in with just a general ground floor level of respect for a car. Absolutely. He's, Absolutely. He's almost 10. 
He, he, now, he's world better than he was when he was five. Sure. But I feel like I've definitely spent that time with him with cars and other stuff too, obviously. But but it's just like, no, respect the stuff, which is a weird thing with in parenting of trying yeah. to create respect for a thing but not elevating the thing beyond the person. Absolutely. You know? And, you know, I was thinking about in terms of income. You know, you think, oh, well, rich people don't care because they can afford to fix it and, you know, who cares? Oh, just buy another one. Well, that car got dinged. Throw it away and get a new one. No, it, it actually doesn't have anything to do with your status in in income mm, or wealth mm. or any of that. It depends on your outlook because there can be very wealthy people sure, who are yeah, too yeah. precious yeah, yeah. of their oh, things completely. and they can easily afford it. And then there's, uh, you know, there, there's a broad gamut in there is what I'm saying. And it doesn't have anything to do with how much money you have to being able to fix the thing. It doesn't. You somehow. It has to do with enjoyment out of the thing. And you're right. This show has dramatically changed both of us. But yes. But I, I'm just sort of somehow okay in with my mind, all. this conversation has turned Ferris Bueller's Day off into like a big public service announcement. It's like a big <laughs> life lesson. He never That's... drives it; he just rubs it with a diaper. It's, it's exactly. just there is a there, what we're talking about exactly. is in that movie. Please don't give your Ferrari to a valet who's going to launch it. But it's still a funny scene. Yes. I mean, those are worth quite a lot, so you want to be a little drive bit protective. Drive this stuff and but enjoy. But, honestly, yeah. I'm still in a place of drive it. I, I see cars now Completely. and I think, oh, those lot, miles are too low. Well, the, the miles need we <laughs> need to exercise. Right. We need to get yes. miles on it to exercise yes. the fluids and get the seals all well, back together and you know full of you know juice. And, you and I you know. are trying to to do the good you know God's good work here exactly and go out and help people drive their car collections. We are available. Is short. We are making ourselves available to. Do. If you have a car collection <laughs> not being driven, please write to the show. <laughs> exactly. Please do. It's too short to drink bad wine, bad coffee, and not put miles on your car. Go put miles funny. on your car. I'd almost rather buy a high mileage. Something supercar, knowing it's been driven and probably well-maintained, too. Would, yeah, in most cases. Look at Chance's 911 with 150,000 miles on it. Driving the it's his daily out of it. Yeah, it's his daily, it's and he bought great. it with a bunch of miles, and it runs great. Totally. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, I've got, I've got one of the highest mile, mileage Lotus leases around. I've got 66,000 miles rolled over during the meetup. Fantastic. For a Lotus, it's a lot. For yeah. a car from 2006, it's not very many. For <laughs> exactly. a Lotus, it's a lot. Yeah. Hey, you got Toyota unpinnings. You're good. Yeah. Keep driving. It's good. All right. Some more stuff happened. Uh, I love that your family loved the Civic Type R and doesn't it's want very to give it back. It's very funny. My, my be- wife loved driving it. My son loved being in it. I told him today we were getting ready to go to school this morning, and I said, do you want to take the, the Civic or the Lotus? By the way, by the way, this wow. sentence is what ridiculous. Exactly. What exactly. The fact that my has. son had this as his school bus <laughs> discussion this morning. And I said, keep in mind, this is your last morning to possibly get the Civic to have your, as your school bus. He was like, Why? Why? <laughs> I was like, buddy, because it's a press card. It goes back. He's like, but r- really? It's like you've seen you've seen this happen already. This is news. The Z4. He was so attached to the Z4. I bet he's forgotten all about the Z4 yeah. so and anyway, how much you guys love that. Both my wife and son liked the the Civic Type R and wished that we had that set of the Lancer. I still like the Lancer. That's I'm alone in that, but it's all fine. Right. So that happened. <laughs> uh, but this weekend, actually, I took. A, there was a local car club meet. Yeah, okay? right, and there right. was a drive with our local car club. Yeah, and and this gets. By the way, I'm just spoiler alert. This gets serious, but I want to bring it somewhere legitimate. Okay, we went with our local car club, Park City Car Club, did a, one of their many fun cruise drives. It was great. And generally, if you've been on these cruises, I, look, I'll be really honest. And if you and if you listen to the show and you see me on one of these, just know this is my headspace. I like going to hang out with the people and to see the cars and that kind of stuff. I would much rather you and I, Paul, went on a drive, just the two of us, mm. than 15 people. Now, we've had, we mm-hmm. had our Utah meetup, and we took a bunch of cars, and it was still really cool. It's, it's enjoyable. It's enjoyable. Sure. The problem is 
you're you're adding a wide swath of driver capability mm-hmm. and varying levels of ego. I was going to say bravado which and can excitement be a adrenaline. Some people are yeah. you know, unaffected by that, and they're just going to drive their comfort level. Some people are going to drive beyond their comfort level because they're with a group, and the group's going faster. Whatever. Sure. I have to, sure. Wait, 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 wait. Why am I not faster than the Civic behind me? Who cares? Who, who, who cares? Yeah. But this is just this is human nature. And so when you create a large group of people driving, you create um, unknown variables. Let's put it that way. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I had a what I will describe as a worst fears realized moment on this cruise this weekend. Mm. Now, nothing mm. happened to me, thankfully. But the worst reality of all of this, I think about this when we led that meetup. And, and we're going to do a meetup in Atlanta. We're, we're going to sure. drive with all of you. We're going to continue to do meetups. We love it. It, it. Genuinely, those are very cool. Yes. yes. But once you add a line of people, you just add more possibility for something to go awry. Yeah, yeah. Here in Utah, side note, for some reason Utah doesn't believe in guardrails. I don't know why. California <laughs> likes guardrails just fine. Here in Utah, We're guardrail when free. We, when we build a mountain road, if you get it wrong, there's no guardrail. <laughs> So uh, not we were, only do you not have a guardrail, we didn't even give you cell service. Exactly. Bye bye. Exactly. <laughs> Enjoy your drive. <laughs> anyway, this sounds terrible. No, we we got to the turnaround of this of this group up in this mountain road. We turned around, we came back down, and I was actually kind of at the back of the pack. I was going to follow the pack coming back down. Yeah, and I came around this corner, like three corners down from the the turnaround spot. I noticed everybody in our group of like fifteen cars. Everybody is like darting toward a shoulder and turn it on their hazards all at the same time. Like, what just happened? I mean, you initially think animal. You know, uh, something sure. ran out, for a sure. car hit yeah, a deer, yeah. something. And then as I'm, as I'm parking, I see there's a motorcycle parked, like Oof. not crashed, parked up on the berm. Now, this was, a, to picture, this is a right-hand corner going down. It berms up a little bit to the left. It's right-hand corner going downhill. The far left side, across the opposing traffic, drops off to forest. Mm. Okay, mm-hmm. just drops off to four. Not not cliff, not cliff, but there's a, a serious incline. Okay, but I can see a motorcycle parked up on the berm, like right before going over the edge. But parked, and there's a helmet on the ground, like sitting on the ground. So it's like nobody nobody wrecks like that. So that right. clearly got parked. But what's going on? So right. I get out of the car. Right as I get out of the car, uh, Mandy, somebody that we know is on the drive. If you were on the meetup, you know Mandy. She says to me, Todd, do you have cell phone service? And I'm thinking, I don't. But I look down at my phone and I do. And she says, you need to call nine one one. Oh my god! So I don't even know what's happened yet, and I'm I'm calling a nine one one operator, and of course they're you know one ring and they pick up, and they're like, "What's your emergency?" And I'm like, "I I honestly don't know yet. <laughs> I don't know. I just give me to say hi? give me about ten seconds." One of the people on this drive, a friend of the show. Uh, by the way, everybody in this story is okay. This is the, this is why we can tell this story. Yes, everybody honest. in this everybody story is, is fine. okay. The he, driving his car started to slide the back started to slide out as you were going right it's the the back left driver's side corner started coming around mm-hmm. and he corrected and when he corrected he got down into the dirt on the right side mm-hmm. and now the car's overcorrecting the other direction and he just ran out of road and slid i mean still moving right off the berm right in front of that bike right in front of the guy on the motorcycle right off the berm uh, knowing how much of the incline, the incline was hard to walk down. Let's put it that way. Oh. So I think there was initially a little bit of airborne, and then things flattened out a bit, and they uh, explored their airbags against a tree. Mm. So mm. that was honestly, it was it was a worst feels re- fears realized moment for me because you don't want to see that happen to anybody ever. Of course, of course. But when you go on these group drives, that possibility is the it's it's the specter lingering over a drive like that. Yeah. Yeah. I say all of this to say two things. 
uh, this guy and his girlfriend are both okay. It was terrifying for them and everyone there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there will, of course, be. I mean, there's. Think, think about it. just as your own self. Think about all of the other stuff that will follow that event. That's just going to have to be solved. Mm-hmm. Just, mm-hmm. just solve this. There's just a lot of stuff to still go. But what I'm thrilled about is that nobody is seriously injured. There was obviously a scare, and the ambulance came. And I mean, because you got to get checked out. Of okay? course, of course. My biggest point here, the whole reason for this story, and I want to say is, we talk about going to tracks and going to autocrosses. This is the best place for you to go. What is the edge? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the place where it all goes wrong? Do that in an autocross or on a track. Don't ever go into a drive, especially with other people, but just in general. Go into a canyon road drive. We have a canyon road driving piece coming up here that you and I shot, and I yes. talked about this in that piece too. Yes. Canyon roads are not the place to go all out, ever. There's ever. just too many unknown variables. Yep. Yep. And, and, and also, when you drive a canyon road, be sure your car is in good running order. Everything works. You have – hopefully you have self-reception. Yeah. You have self-reception. Your tires are in good order. You have plenty of fuel. Think about the fact that I, I need to prep for this before you go out so that you don't have any, any big surprises. Oh, my car's not running that way. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I, my public service announcement is go enjoy your car. You were talking about driving cars. Go enjoy your car. Go enjoy a good road. Explore. Take friends disconnect your ego from the experience absolutely and do not drive at the edge of your limits ever on a canyon road absolutely and even on track days you know you want to you want to ease up to things because of things like heat in your tires and heat in your brakes Mm -hmm. and modern tracks have runoff areas it's still not fun to go off track by any stretch and you know depending on your speed you don't want to touch the far wall you don't want to have that happen Mm -hmm. But if there's a place to go off, usually it's into the weeds and dirt, and you're nowhere close to that far or retaining wall. You're in the gravel, yeah. and you know it's relatively safe to explore. Oh, so that's what the edge of my tires. That's what fe- it feels like <laughs> when grip, mechanical grip, goes away. When it all huh. starts to go away. Well, yes. I'll have to put that in the back of my head so I know. Yeah. But you don't ever bring that to a canyon road. Yeah, and and also keep in mind the the person involved in this. Okay, I know him a little bit. Uh, is friend of the show, follows the show. He's tracked his car. This is not some newbie driver that doesn't know how to Oh, yeah, drive, he's been on okay? track. He was with my, us. My, my at point, the my point I'm track. making here is there is always that unknown variable, and that's the thing mm-hmm. you have to leave margin for on a Canyon Drive. Uh, hat tip to those that were in that car. I'm glad you're okay. And uh, wow, I, I wanted to discuss that because, damn it, Patton actually asked a question about it because he'd heard the story because he. Uh, he drives a Camaro, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, and he uh, doesn't do a whole lot of canyon roads. So he had a lot of questions about it. So there we go. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, moving on to the topic Tuesday from Sean Clark, who asked us about uh, you know the hot cars who fall from grace, and he's asking, are they hot know, cars? What are they hot cars? Well, I suppose oh, oh, any you mean, car. Oh, you mean like 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 culturally hot in terms of okay. oh, no, you know sorry, not people you. are hot for the newest yes. latest yes. Okay. whatever yes. thing mm-hmm. not hot cars i mean, I, I, I get, yes. I get what you're yes. qualify yes. The, the term for sure all right so fall from grace and um you know you realize that car companies can also fall from grace true and fall true, out true. of favor yes. with the public <clears throat> nissan oldsmobile <laughs> pontiac geo saturn hummer saab what you go <laughs> mercury Remember when Hugo got a bunch of press for a couple of years and then their cars vanished? I don't know that they were ever hot sellers, but it was just like, look, there's a Hugo. There's also the side conversation about types of cars falling out of favor, like sure. wagons and yes. how happy we are. Audi is bringing the RS6 Avant back to yeah, the States for yeah, 2020. Yeah. I mean, everybody's talking about that. Really excited about it. But suddenly, all diesels. 
as a category are gone out of North America at least. Like, why is Volkswagen suddenly into electric dune buggies? I don't get don't it. Don't look over here to our diesel years. Pay no attention to our diesel years. <laughs> we like electric cars. Yeah. And then, of course, there's no amount of appearances Matthew McConaughey can make to sell us Lincoln Continentals because it didn't work. <laughs> the, the Continental's going away. All right? Apparently, Ford We'd F-150 like you to sit in a car trucks. and brood. Can you sit in a car and brood? <laughs> Just brood. Can you stare off into the distance and Muse say like three about words? Things. Then we're going to go, I want that car. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, Ford F-150 pickup trucks with the V8, those are not as popular because okay. we've got turbocharging now and fuel economy. How about Ford cars in general? They've announced yeah. only CUVs, only SUVs, plus the Mustang. That's going to be our future business plan. And then there's supposedly going to be a Mustang variant oh, SUV. Yeah, I, Must I'm we? really Must we? reserved about that. Anyway, yeah. Okay, so I started, Sean, with the retro area of the 1990s. You know, the Chevy oh, HHR, sure. which was designed by the same designer. Yes. As the PT Cruiser. No, let me stop you there. Let me stop you there. Ooh. Chrysler makes the PT Cruiser. <laughs> Inexplicably, the retro bread van is now the hottest selling thing ever, which is the whole reason this whole uh, topic Tuesday started. Yeah. So the PT Cruiser is so successful that Chevy, GM, decides we need one of those. And so they snipe that designer and bring uh-huh. them over to Chevy for the entire purpose of making the Chevy version, which is why the HHR exists. Uh-huh. This is honestly... This is one of the best slash worst modern examples I can think of of not actually thinking for yourself at all in cars. Yeah, it was it was a we need one of those. He did one. Go get him. He's the only one that benefited from all of this. We as the general public did not benefit. I, we we have people listen to the show that drive both PT Cruisers and HHRs. I, I want that put out there, and 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 we have gotten before. We have gotten the letter about the how awesome the HHR is. I I know you're out there, but let's from an objective perspective. It is a remix. It is a remix of the PT Cruiser, which was a remix of the bread van of old. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, how about the Chevy SSR? That the truck that could tow a couple of reams of paper behind it. Well, and it had a convertible. It had a convertible. It, it was gag. It was if you took the the C six Corvette and you took a Chevy Silverado <laughs> and you put them in a blender, you got that <laughs> frappe. I don't. I don't Yikes. know why we thought that those two things needed to be merged, but there it was. Yeah. Don't forget the Plymouth Prowler. The Dodge Viper is in this category too. Yeah. That's very retro inspired. Pontiac Solstice, I think, has a bit of retro look to it. Yeah, I see that. Kind of that roadster yeah. look. Yeah, yeah. And don't forget the 1991 Nissan Figaro. It's um, I had. I'd forgotten that. Yeah, yeah. I just thought I'd stick that in your craw. I have to look it up. But I'm so excited. Inexplicably, the current Dodge Charger and Challenger are hugely popular, and they're going strong. Mm-hmm. Those are retro-inspired designs, if yes. there ever were some. Because they are the last remaining. That's uh, We talked about that on the podcast really? last time. They, they, they are the only muscle car out there, like Guess true so. muscle car out there. Okay, some other cars. Well, by the way, the PT Cruiser apparently sucked so much oil, it was like one quart every 500 miles. So that's that's why people stopped buying them. They didn't like that anymore. I, I knew somebody. She loved, and I cannot overstress how much she loved her PT Cruiser. And when it finally huh. died, she was in the – Thank I remember, goodness. I remember talking with her. When, we, when it finally died, she was in this discussion of what I replace it with because I love this car and I would buy another one if they still made it. She loved it. Wow. You know what I found interesting? What'd she get? Honda Cross Tour. Equally oddball. Uh, Isn't that interesting? It's like e- an equally oddball car. Sort of a lateral move, I guess. Maybe? Honda Accord wearing an oddly shaped backpack. The Honda Cross Tour. Huh. But, I, but when, she, when she landed on that, I was like, 
you're right. That's perfect. That is exactly the car you need. Because she listed things that were interesting. And she got to that one. I was like, yep, there you go. Honda Cross Tour, done. Huh. Anyway, yeah. All right. Well, I think the reincarnated new Beetle that's now going away, I think that is a clear winner of Fall from Grace. Everybody's so excited in 98. top of my list. It came back. Top of my list. I knew so many people when that car came out. Two things happened. One, I love that you brought it up because you're absolutely right. One, they couldn't make them fast enough. They were selling at a premium. Here's a $20,000 car, $20,000, $25,000 car. They were selling for well over MSRP because people wanted them so badly. Yeah. This, this same phenomenon that we're talking about right now with the Corvette C8, literally, that phenomenon was happening with the Volkswagen Beetle. Absolutely. It was obsessive people, with People thing. with hugely expensive car collections were paying exorbitantly to have the first one. Oh, my gosh. You know, guys that would never stoop to drive anything of the stats of that car were excited to be in a Beetle with, you know, four feet of headroom. You can wear your 10-gallon hat. You could wear whatever. You can wear your entire hat collection stacked on top (laughs) of your head. Uh, I knew literally everything from housewives who'd only driven very expensive cars to guys with big car collections to teenagers first driving. Everybody wanted a Beetle comparatively. And now it's dying because no one wants a Beetle. Yeah, exactly. I think in that same vein, that Audi TT, that's been announced. It's going away. It just mm. doesn't have a place in our future portfolio kinds of discussions. Yeah. And it's been cool. But that car, when it came out, yeah, redefined right. car right. design. Yeah. I was influenced yeah, yeah, yeah. by the For TT sure. because, huh, bumperless design and the fenders, the way they looked. And yeah. That influenced a lot of cars was, in yeah, that era. You're right. Yet here it is. There's better car choices to go buy. Well, the TTRS hot. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not discounting that. The TT would have done There's better if just, it had been reliable in it first well, gen. There it was, is that it was unbelievable yeah. money pit too. and the wing issue with the downforce in the back. But well, you know, still. All right, so a few more cars here. I think uh, the third generation FD Mazda RX-7 didn't catch on in America until after sales here were discontinued. Then mm-hmm. everybody went, wait. I didn't get a chance to buy that yet. Supra, too. Yeah. Supra, the A80 Supra, I think, that had a short run in the U.S. It lived on in Europe and Japan. Mm -hmm. But then I came to this car, and I think this is the pinnacle Uh of cars that fell from grace. Okay. The Volkswagen Corrado. Hmm. Think about this car. I liken it to the phenomenon that a lot of people experience, including me, and that is your college years where, you know, due to many things, whether it's finances or you partied too much or you just got bad grades and you were able to squeeze four years into six. Same thing with the Corrado. We squeezed four into the space, six in the space of four, actually, but still. Yeah, I... I um I mean it happened to me. I I had to take a semester off before I could even start art school because the enrollment was already closed. Hasn't he graduated yet? <laughs> Is he still a student? Yeah. But everybody was astounded by the VR6 engine. Wow. I the, it's so compact. More power. But the problem was it was too expensive and nobody bought it. Mm. I loved those things. Yeah. The power yeah, yeah. rear spoiler that came up at speed that was mind blowing. Now it's sort of like meh, every car does that. My Funny. camera does that. You know, what, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know what other one I thought of in this? Because I remember when it came out and everybody, I feel like, was surprised at how well it did. Dodge hmm. Neon. That was a surprise. When the Neon came yeah. out with its initial ad campaign, which was just, hi. Yeah. Remember that? There yeah. were Super Bowl commercials. It was a whole thing. Uh, that thing sold really well. And it sold well to – it was the first time in many ways, in many people's expectations, it was the first time that America – made a hot-selling compact car. 
Yeah, yeah. Also, think about where Dodge is now. We were just talking about what That's Dodge true. is selling now. Dodge Neon. They were the thing when they came out. That's true. And because they made the ACR versions and all that kind of stuff, guys that were track rats loved them. Guys that were people that were just, I'm going to buy something for my daughter, loved them. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. That car sold really well for like a year. I never see those anymore. You never see them. Are they just all? I'm exaggerating. They sold for quite a few years before they finally died. But sure, when they first came out, like that that re, uh, reimagined Beetle, they sold like crazy. They were everywhere, and now they're nowhere. You see a Dodge Neon, like wow, there's a Dodge Neon. <laughs> Who knew? There's one. It's like parked next to an Aztec. I, mean, I guarantee you, what planet somebody, am I on? So every one of you listening right now will see a Camry or Corolla from the '90s today. It's and I happen. bet you, I bet you, less than five percent of you will see a neon this week. Think about that. That's hilarious. You, you just never know. All right. So looking ahead to the future, why are minis still so popular after sixty mm. years? And then why are Mercedes G wagons still one of the best selling things? They just keep remaking the G wagon. It's the German military truck with leather. When is the advertising for that going to be the same for 60 years? That, I mean, that's essentially <laughs> Although, just the point. I have to take the shot. The 911 could fall into the same category. It could be having, you know, take the same blows. But but I but I as the non-Porsche-file, I as the non-Porsche-file, though, will say that the underpinnings of that have changed massively they in 60-plus years. They the have. G-Wagon is pretty much just, yeah, keep making it. The Americans keep buying it. <laughs> I mean, it's honestly, true. it's true. Beverly Hills needs them because no, you don't. Hollywood, because no, you Hollywood don't. Hollywood needs them. Yeah, we we all need it. Summer's here, and with that comes sunshine and blistering hot car interiors. I know that leather seat seemed like a great idea at the time, until you scalded your legs. All you need is a custom sunscreen from Covercraft. These foldable sunscreens fit perfectly in the windshield of your car, and they keep your car a lot cooler while you're off enjoying the sunshine or whatever you're doing. I have used these for years, and I, I'm telling you, I swear by them. These custom sunscreens from Covercraft are available in a whole range of colors, and they're a simple, affordable way for you to keep your car cooler all summer long and protected from damaging UV rays all year long. We swear by our custom sunscreens from Covercraft. It's one of our favorite car accessories. And remember, you can get 10% off your car sunscreen by using the code EVERYDAY right now at Covercraft.com, or you can follow the link from our sponsors page. We're all looking for great driving roads, and we've even tried to share and list some of them along the way. But now there's an app that can help anyone worldwide mark, share, and find the best roads everywhere. Driveline is the world's first social driving app. It allows you to easily record and classify your favorite road, and you can mark great pit stops, record and attach video, and you can create pins with photos to share. It's the first sharing and social driving app. You can follow people that drive interesting roads, see what they're driving. You can search an area you've never driven before. And if you find a route you like, you just hit drive it and get guided to the beginning of your new favorite road. You can even earn points and patches for your activities on the app, which build towards actual car giveaways. As the community grows, Driveline will be giving away cars to members and your posting and drives earn you points to win. We've never seen anything like this, and we love the combination of community and great drives. You can get in early right now and shape the app and the community. So download Driveline to your phone today. Start sharing your favorite roads, meeting other drivers, and finding a new route for your next adventure. We're often asked how we find the cars we recommend because we do a lot of research for the show. Local or nationwide, our searches start with our friends at Auto Tempest. Instead of searching each car site separately, you can enter your parameters into Auto Tempest one time and search them all at once. You can see results from Cars.com, Cars Direct, eBay, and more, or you can jump to Autotrader and CarGurus without entering anything new. 
You can even search all of Craigslist nationwide. You know how hard it is to search Craigslist all at once? You can with AutoTempest. AutoTempest can help you find your next new or used car if there's a dozen in your neighborhood or two in the entire country. Plus, the folks at AutoTempest actually do listen to this very podcast right along with you, and they're always looking for ways to refine the site to make it better. They already have research tools, buyer and seller guides, and are listening to what features users want. So if we give you drive homework or you're chasing your dream car or you're just looking to feed the disease, autotempest.com is the place to start. Heck, I was honored an hour ago. Colton is writing to us about resetting your palate and his quest for more horsepower. Uh-oh. He's an Oklahoman Uh-oh. where there's a, a dearth of twisty roads. And by the way, I will say to all of you folks that are hearing about the Driveline app, we've got to ramp up the Ozarks area to the <laughs> east of Colton and the southern area down in Texas, the Texas Hill Country outside yes, of Austin. We've got to ramp area. up the Driveline good roads to go drive because mm-hmm. that's part of what I want to talk to you about, Colton, is whatever car you get next is – Buy it somewhere else and use a self-imposed rule to go take it through somewhere mm, where there's twisty roads. Interesting. Hopefully on your driveline app, and like then like you get back home and you know now you know what to do with it. But the backstory is here that he wrote us a while back. He was crippled with anxiety. He mm-hmm. said when he drove his first new car, which was a Mustang GT, and he said out of fear that someone would damage it and my new car would no longer be be perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm right there with you, Colton. Yeah. You heard my yeah, story. Yeah. The Cayman is no longer perfect, but. I realized it still drives really great, and it's a lot of fun, and I love driving it. And it so will I'm look perfect again. It will look perfect again. Yeah, it'll look perfect again, and I still love driving it. Yeah. It's a great car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really fast. Anyway. <laughs> it is. It is re- no. No, that, that really doesn't cover it. There is a video I have to show you guys <laughs> oh, no. that I will show you that is from our track day. Side note. It's from our track day that we had for the meetup. And I have to show you guys because I am floorboarded. In the, I am wrenching every piece out of the Lotus, and Paul walks by me on the straight like I am not attempting to move. And the Lotus, look, if you were riding with me, shocking in the Lotus, you wouldn't be thinking, "Yeah, we're just what's wrong with Todd?" I was pushing the Lotus, and Paul just kind of there he goes. GTS. She's fast. All right. Well, he's uh, happy to report. Colton's reporting it. It's got 16,000 miles on it now. Good. And he's made a lot of memories with his Mustang GT. Good. Love it. Love it. And he said because somebody in a Fiesta ST gave him a love tap, but the damage buffed out. My damage, unfortunately, will not buff out. It won't buff out, yeah. But that's okay. And he realizes this car is going to have imperfections, which show off your stories. And we've talked about this before. That was from that road trip through Arizona. And... Man, that's a bummer, but man, did we have a good time. And yeah. You can still see footprints on the inside of the window, you know, yeah. where you were relaxed and <laughs> kicking back on the drive. Don't do that. Yeah, but anyway, I don't yeah. like footprints on the end of the window. Anyway, so he's picked up a new appreciation for detailing, though. Yeah, that's funny. So he's asking us, how much horsepower is too much? Because, <laughs> wow. Think about Not the Mustang GT. And, yeah. You know, he's got empty highways. Think about Oklahoma, which is just, but, oh, look, the horizon's know. way over there in a straight line. Let's take this road. Yeah. <laughs> He says there was a moment when he felt like the 460 horsepower in his Mustang was too much, you know, because he was coming out of an 08 GTI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said it felt like driving a SpaceX rocket and the destination was traffic court, mm-hmm. which it probably was. But then a probably, coworker yeah. gave him a ride in their Hellcat Red Eye. Oof. And now he's a junkie needing his fix. Mm-hmm. All right, so he's looking out for a while here to, you know, C8 Corvette. What should the next car purchase be? Should it be a GT500, which mm-hmm. is like another 250 horsepower on top of your car. Yeah, yeah. More net. Anyway, he's looking at, do I get more horsepower because I've got the flat, straight, empty roads of Oklahoma? Mm-hmm. 
Or do I do something different? You know, outside of drag racing, he says he, he's not sure when he could actually use this power. It won't. Uh, anyway, and who said that? Uh, yeah. The question is modifying your daily to be a drag racer. And while it's awesome on the strip, will you now like what? it as a daily? Yeah. I mean, if you have yeah. to pop the chute or otherwise you're going to roll through the red light at the intersection, you've got so much power, <laughs> you've gone too far. Yeah, that's, that's not good. So he says, you know, I can only put my foot down for a few seconds on on-ramps before yes. he's instantly breaking the law. This is, this is key. We've talked about this before. So what does he do? What does he do here? Well, Colton, I'm, t- I'm thinking about uh, cleansing cars. And those cars, mm-hmm. I think, to us are sometimes something older, mechanical, analog cars. Mm-hmm. And with your budget, what you're talking about, you're talking C8 money. I mean, again, C8 monetary units. Yes, one C8 <clears throat> worth of money. That's what we have, yeah. We're talking a fairly good budget here. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you should consider two cars to double your experience at this point because oh, you're going. you've got the, going. the bucks right. to be able yeah, to yeah. do it, it sounds like. So I want you to just – I'm throwing out a lot of ideas here. Should you go to Meekum Auctions? Should Ooh, you go to interesting. you know give yourself a budget of $30,000? Okay, okay. And what strikes me is just that looks like fun and I could own it for a year and I could just mm, – that's mm. totally different. And again, my self-imposed rule about purchasing out of state and driving a long way home and making a trip of it through yeah, some twisty yeah, yeah. roads. For sure, yeah. Find some spaghetti on Google, Google Earth or something. And then you know you want – Something like a small roadster, maybe. I'm starting out in the Carmen Guillain, like an MGB roadster or a cheap vintage racer or even a kit car. Mm. And then I move to early 70s Datsun 240Zs. Kind of different, kind of interesting. I was sniffing around old E-types, and I found a 1971 XKE with matching numbers for $42,000. Did you really? British Racing Green with manual, and it's a hard top. Because it's a Series Three, and they're not as expensive. Don't don't push me far down the rabbit hole it's, of E types. Because it's, it's all a little bad. rough when you open the hood. That's uh, not too surprising. It has the V twelve in it, and the rough V twelve is going to be a problem. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, good idea. Moving on. <laughs> good idea to walk past. <laughs> exactly. For Go, other ooh, people, that's pretty. And walk past. I just don't want you to have a money pit. But what yeah. about a first generation Mazda RX seven? Yeah, yeah. What about a BMW two thousand two? Okay. I was initially thinking like a replica 550 Spider, but those are really expensive. So how about a 912 or a 914 or a, maybe a three, 356? Hmm, okay. All right. But then I went to autocrossing. I thought mm-hmm. that's where I cheap went to. and expensive because those are the twisties. They're, you're ringing performance out of a yeah. car. And if yeah, you've yeah. got two cars, you get some different daily. Yeah. I know you've already had a GTI. But then what about something totally unexpected like a Renault R5 Turbo? Whoa. Eh, those are too expensive probably. But maybe an older muscle car, just something that will connect you to the mechanics of the car mm. rather than adding mm. beautiful, clean, modern, perfect, reliable horsepower that sends you off like a laser beam into outer mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right. Where are you going to use it? Well, this is the thing we've talked about. I, I, I do think that 400 horsepower is the upper limit of hey, look at me enjoy the power of my car. I really think – and even that varies mm-hmm. because that's 400 horsepower against something that weighs the better part of 4,000 pounds. Yeah, right. 400 horsepower in something like my Elise is too much because it's unusable. And as you're starting to get into crazy power, things become unwieldy, okay? Think about the, the Corvette uh, ZR1 that we drove, the mm. current C7 uh, ZR1. is 750 horsepower and about the same in torque. And it is an unbelievable laugh when you are hanging on for dear life by your fingernails in a straight line. (laughs) But you're either going to tear the universe in half or you're going to kill yourself. I mean, there's just – there's almost no way – 
and we talked about it in our review, which is on the end of American Original, but it's also on YouTube. It is one of those cars that makes us think when we drive it, you don't have to have a special certification. You can just go buy this. Yeah. You could you yeah. could literally have been driving a Civic yesterday <laughs> that you've had since college. It's yeah. 20 years old and it has no power and you win the lottery, sell your .com, whatever it is, you have an app, and you walk in today with money and you could buy a ZR1 and you'll be dead by the end of the block yeah. because that car – that car is a take-no-prisoners car. It is, it is looking to hurt you and the world. Yeah. But you could go buy it. The, the problem with the horsepower chase is it is a drug. And once you get used to 500 horsepower and what that does, a 200-horsepower car is like, eh. And then, <laughs> but then, as you've already discovered, you've already discovered it, Colton, the, the reality of the fact that your 460 felt like you've got to be kidding. And now you're like, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a website actually dedicated to this entire thing. It's called rectexotics.com. This is true. It's a horrifying yes, website. Yes, it is. It is. And see, how the, the the great thing is when you hear the story about how rarely those cars got driven before they ended up that way. Right. There isn't an end to guess how much horsepower my car has. There isn't an end to that. It, you only increase that when you when that's what you're chasing. I th- I kind of agree with you that what you need here is to go the other way. That's what I'm thinking. Now, the issue, yeah. of course, is we have Oklahoma and straight roads, and that's a problem. And that's why I have two questions for you. First question for you is, do you like go-karts? <laughs> my, my, my point here is this. I think most people that like to drive like to drive a go-kart. But nobody that likes driving and drives a go-kart would describe a go-kart as, that's incredibly powerful. You just that's just not that's not no, the, the way no. you quantify a go-kart. You you quantify it because of the sensations and the fact that you're going 30 miles an hour and it still feels crazy and look at what I can do for cornering and oh I didn't do brakes and gas quite right and now I'm spinning all of these kind of things that make it fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Think about that. If you like that Colton, by the way do some go-karting, but but then beyond that, this is why autocross is great. I am certain there are autocross groups in your area. Oh, I'm sure. Absolutely, I think yeah. I'm wondering if you keep the Mustang as a daily and you buy something cheap that is very light. Your your number one parameter on what you're buying next is something light hmm. because that is yeah. going to be the opposite. Because it's the other thing that happens when you get into these high-horsepower cars. They get higher horsepower. The, the Hellcats are the perfect example. They get high horsepower. They're crazy fast, but they're also getting bigger. So they have more yeah, weight. Yeah. So they aren't as dynamic. And you're starting to be more and more insulated. from. They become like trains. Yeah. <laughs> Your Expedition is a great example. Your Expedition, at 80 miles an hour, after about two or three miles, you forget you're going 80. Oh, yeah. You're absolutely. just a train. You're just a train going 80. I mean, there's no Hellcat engine in it. It's a little sluggish. But, it took, no, it took a while still, to get once there. You but, get momentum, but now that you're going 80 miles an hour, yeah. your sensation of speed is like riding in an airplane or on a train. You're, you've lost it. It's yeah. such a big vehicle. You've lost it. Once you get into light stuff, which is why I bring up go-karts, once you get into light stuff, you are aware of sensations of speed against. I think keep your Mustang and buy yeah. something really light, chase light. And I even went here. Buy a Suzuki Cappuccino. Oh, interesting. Spend five interesting. or $6,000, buy a Suzuki Cappuccino. You're going to be now right-hand drive, which is going to be crazy to begin with. Yeah, yeah. You're going to, be, you're going to have more fun than almost anybody when you go autocrossing. And you're going to have the weird, what is that, look at me factor anywhere you take it. It's, just, it, it's like buying a really cheap exotic car because it's oddball, but yet driving, it's surprisingly normal. It's two-thirds the size of a Miata. Mm-hmm. And you can get them, and they run. And we've had we have guys listen to the show that, that actually autocross cappuccinos. I mean, yes, you could go Miata. You can go Usual Suspects here. Miata is a great candidate. But I really thought 
Let's go KCAR. I like that a lot. Because you're talking about a palate cleansing reality. I bet you your friend with a Hellcat would laugh like a child driving a Suzuki Cappuccino. Now, Absolutely. why is that? Absolutely. Because, seriously, the Hellcat probably will just roll right over the Cappuccino and not even notice that it was there. But the Cappuccino is so small and light and, and agile and just – there's such an analog reality to it. There's a sensation of speed. There's a sensation of everything because it's with tiny. that car. Yeah. Because it's tiny. Yeah. So that's where my head goes is, is – Go, and I'm going to the extreme with a Japanese K-Car, but I think you need to shop something light, Colton, and then seek out places, autocross, etc., to drive that car and enjoy the fact that it's light and there's not much there. I think that will balance you against just, I need more horsepower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking that sensation. That's why I'm thinking go two cars. I mean, mm-hmm. even if you go smaller than the Mustang to like a two series, which is still great for commuting, comfortable for road trips, but it's still smaller, still got that front engine rear drive feel. And then, yeah, like Todd said, a K car or something yeah, just, yeah, yeah. you know, 20 or 30 miles an hour just feels like, wow, yeah. I'm going fast because the wind's in my face and something, you know, where it's the, just stripped away. The roof can be on in three different ways. Yeah. It's always weird because you're always shifting with your left hand and you never do that any other reason because you're in your Mustang, you're shifting with your right. It's, it's, it's such a reset. I think it could be very cool. This relates almost directly to Drew's questions in, in questions. Did you see this? Uh, I read a bunch of them. On Facebook, Drew said, how do you remain content? 600 horsepower cars are normal. Oh, right. Yes, I did okay. see this. I, I, yeah. Records for tracks are constantly being broken. How do you get to a place where you're like, no, no, this is good? Because isn't there always more? Yes, unfortunately, that's what we're talking about with Colton. We're talking about it here with you, Drew. There's always more available. Mm-hmm. The thing is, I think you have to chase what are the things that make me enjoy this versus do I have the greatest? The, the, the running joke, of course, is uh, the minute you buy the biggest yacht in the harbor, somebody buys the bigger one. I mean, that's always the thing. You, you make the joke, Paul, about the 150-foot yachts in Monaco are the poor people because the 350-foot yachts with the helicopter pads, those are the people that have money. Exactly. There, there's really – once you get into bragging rights, it's just a matter of – it's a ticking clock until you lose. What are the things you like? I started driving – you've heard my story on this podcast before – Big stuff. My dad was obsessed with Chevy Caprices. We started. We all drove Chevy Caprices. Okay, big <laughs> car, so big rear-wheel drive cop cars, V8s, you know, automatic transmissions, car. Okay, look at what I drive now. Mm-hmm. I, I, I drive the Lotus, and I love it. It's sort of like an involuntary reflex to Caprices. It, 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 he does have one. for If, if he could find <laughs> – honestly, honestly. Like a knee-jerk opposite for the sake of polarity. If, if next week, if next week <laughs> there is some big barn find of some guy in middle America has been stockpiling Caprices from the 90s, my dad's going to be at that man's doorstep. It's frightening. <laughs> Barn fine anyway, caprices. Yeah, exactly. Dot so anyway, com that's or something. Yeah, that, that's yeah. I'm, I'm all not bad. really sure. Colton, but, you could always just embrace the straight roads and get yourself like a late '80s Bentley Turbo R or something. Like just embrace <laughs> those the are cheap. Let's, let's go fast. But but he's saying, how do we stay satisfied? And I think what you have to find, Drew, and this relates to you as well, Colton. What are the things about driving that you enjoy? Mm-hmm. And then you have to mm-hmm. seek out cars and also, in some cases, experiences that play to the things you enjoy. I thoroughly enjoy a light, involving car on a back road. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's my favorite way to drive. That doesn't mean I don't like to track. It doesn't mean I don't like to have a 700-horsepower car for a couple of days and be like, you've got to be kidding me. Still fun. But I also personally like to feel like I am necessary 
in the driving experience <laughs> and using a good portion of the car's capabilities. So when the car's way beyond me, I'm always like, I, I know this is really capable, but I'm just not, I, I'm not getting enough out of this. Mm-hmm. Question here on Facebook from Andrew Stein asking about safety safety standards and how okay. they've impacted car design, specifically with mid-engine configurations, and does that allow designers more freedom to work around the restrictions? Mm. And then also with this in mind and the huge splash the C8 has made, do we see more car companies embracing mid-engine configurations as a way to freshen up a car's mm. design? Interesting. I want to talk about that first of all. Everything we are now reading is electric this. Volkswagen doesn't even know how to spell diesel. It's all electric is the future. And, uh, I'd, we don't have a past with that. No. Us? Who? Think about the electric motors for those cars and how easily packageable they are. I don't know if that's a word, but they're it is now. easily fittable Lean in the car. Yeah. And they take up nowhere near the space as an internal combustion engine. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, you can make an all-wheel drive car still have a very flat floor. I mean, mm-hmm. this is the beauty of electric cars, where they're going. So for with the proliferation of electric cars and our need for fun electric cars, because back to the beginning of the Topic Tuesday, you know, cars that kind of timed out, BMW i3s and Nissan Leafs, that's just mm-hmm. due to technology. Because it moved on, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're fine, but why would you buy one of those when you can invest your money in a Bolt now with mm-hmm. far greater range, and then you know another yeah. five years from yes. now the batteries yes. are going to be even mm-hmm. better. So think about all these well electric cars coming our way. They're coming down the pike, and the different packaging that you can do with those so cars can remain the same size and gain even more interior space. Mm. But then what about the fun cars that companies are going to make? Are they you know maybe a mid-engine kind of look to it? But if it's got an electric motor. Well, suddenly a whole bunch of space has opened up back there. This is what Tesla's been able to be successful at. It's just all of the new packaging ideas because they're only packaging electric stuff like crazy. So therefore, the answer to my question, Andrew, is I think the proliferation of electric motors is going to affect packaging far more than, mm. hey, let's make a mid-engine version of the FRS and the, yeah, I agree you know, you. whatever I agree it is. Yeah. I, I think that is less of a consideration. And then from a safety standards perspective... Yeah, it it does allow some freedom. It's different freedoms, but think about this. You don't have a a big lump of metal blocking the passengers in terms of crash safety. You don't have that in a mid-engine car, so you've got to take that into consideration very much. I mean, this is why sometimes it's scary to be in the Elise, you know, around huge trucks, and Mm -hmm. you want to get away from traffic, and you just want to be out front like a bike. ankles are the crash zone. I hate to say it, but it's true. It's very true, yeah. So, yes, it allows more freedom in that sense, but then it takes away freedoms from a, well, this still has to be crash-tested the same way every other car does. You don't get a hall pass just because, well, we got a mid-engine car, and... No, it's got to meet the same standards. So that's why the Elise is no longer sold here. Exactly, yeah. that's exactly where I was going. Mm-hmm. So I, I see it more as the defining factors being the market-driven forces of electric cars. What are the fun cars going mm-hmm. to be? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there'll still be a lot of gasoline engines. It's not going away anytime yeah, soon. Yeah. But I don't know that that is the driving force between you know, hey, let's make a new fun car. Let's just make the mid-engine version of that. I, I'm not sure that will be the driving force, yeah. to be honest. I think it'll be new variations of the fun car, and they'll look different. But, you know, depending on the weight, we won't have that backpack kind of feel, the Lotus, the Cayman and rotation. And mid-engine cars are hard to get right. 
And I don't think every Agreed. manufacturer on the planet just wants to go out and try that. I've got two questions that relate to each other, uh, talking about content. Brandon Hall on Facebook and J.R. Schultz, uh, they're asking related questions. Brandon says, uh, he's wondering what happened to the white Corvette Stingray video we did on PCH. Mm. Nothing happened to it. It's the end of season two? End of season, season two. two it's episode the la- seven. It's the last episode of season two. That uh, Pacific Coast Highway California adventure piece is available on Amazon, on Vimeo, and you may even find it on Pluto TV, depending. So it is out there for sure. It is absolutely still available all of those places. Uh, again, that's, that's one of the seasons that it's because it's older now. It's available for free on Amazon Prime. So it is there. So you can find that. J.R. Schultz is asking about current schedule on Motor Trend Channel. Mm, yeah. We are into reruns of the new stuff of season five. So between now and the end of September, every episode you see will be part of our season five. The last episode, which is the last Saturday in September, will be the new episode six. So we are in that swath of all of the season five episodes are playing every Saturday morning. Very early. Check your listings on the Motor Trend Cable Channel. Ryan Hughes says, would the U.S. explode or would we simply riot with the introduction of a K-car-like category of vehicle Mm. for the millennial generation he would like to start a crowd-funded campaign for that company, whatever it is. To be honest, in a weird, serious note, I think there are some city centers that would actually probably embrace a car that small. Obviously, yeah. being the U.S., we've got plenty of space once you get outside those congested city centers. But I think for a particular area, I think they'd probably work pretty well. It just – the infrastructure is not there. We just don't have – the requirements. The cities aren't built up like that. They've always been accommodating big cars yeah, from the yeah. very beginning. So to make that change is going to be difficult, if not impossible. Infrastructure changes are coming with all of the stuff that's being discussed for mobility. It's not going to be a fast process no matter what. It would be interesting to have that small commuter category, but I think it would probably align with electric in some way. Mm-hmm. I, I could go for an hour on this next question. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm, I'm restricting myself. How much myself. time do you have? Parmalat. Yes. He's asking, have we binged Hyperdrive and what are our thoughts? I have binged Hyperdrive. I have not yet. I admit, not, I have not seen, yet. Uh, I'm, I'm up to episode eight. There's 10 episodes. Wow. I've watched a lot. You have binged it. Uh, I have watched it while doing some other things as well, but I but I, I dedicated myself to it after the last podcast because I want to know about other car content. I want to, I want to be able to speak on it. I want to be, don't want to have an opinion about something I haven't watched. Obviously, I haven't finished the season, but it's a game show. So the format's not changing. I, 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 I can tell you about the format. This is my big thing. I stay kind of with where we were last time. There is an entertainment factor here for sure, but it is a game show first. Mm-hmm. It is a challenge-based game show that happens to have cars. Yeah, yeah. It isn't a car show. And when I watch it, I see how much it's not a show made by car people. Every episode ends with, com- they say, we have this new course coming up next because the fact that the episode ended is irrelevant. You're going to write the credits and write to the next episode. It's built perfectly for entertainment value. But, man, I see the, the, the seams, the development. <laughs> I'm going to stop. i got to stop ranting. Clearly, yes, you could go on. But, wow, hyperdrive, not for car enthusiasts, should be the tagline, right? It's a, if you like watching game shows, it's a good game show. It's a good game show. But clearly not to learn something about cars. That's not its point. Not at all. All right. David Elfering asks about automotive telematics and whether these have dark implications for enthusiast drivers. Think about automatic tickets for, you know, speeding, doing your daily triple, whatever that means. Well, I just think they wouldn't be bought, to be honest. Mm. They would either be, you know, hackers would say, hey, here's your solution. Download the app or here's the thing to plug in or they wouldn't be bought. 
And I think car companies probably know this, that if that, you know, I know insurance companies are going that far mm-hmm. and I'm mixed on this because from a new driver standpoint, I can see how it can help. Yeah. I mean, I can see the merits of it. But on the other hand, you know, with more experienced drivers, not that things do not happen in a, to experienced drivers. We I'm not saying talked that. about at the stretch. beginning of the podcast. Yeah. Exactly. I'm just, it's, it just feels like a, um, an erosion of people's freedoms to yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's where I think is a, well, to some no-go. degree, the comfort of your car is like the comfort of your own home. Yeah. It's, it's, you don't, you don't want cameras or tracking going on in your own home. You don't want that. Nobody no. listening wants that. I mean, despite the nest cams and all that stuff proliferating, but, but, you know, but, but you see what I'm saying? We, yeah. We're not, we're not wanting somebody else to log on to be able to watch what we do in our house. We don't want that. Oh, that, yeah. That's what of I'm course, saying. Of course. And so cars are an extension of that. You don't want people to be able to track what you're doing in your car. One of the typical exceptions that I can totally understand is parents want to be able to track kids that are still minors that are driving. I get it. And like I said, but, I can see merits of yeah, it. Yeah, there's lines see, of it for sure, but you are, that you are giving there. away an autonomy level, not for an autonomous car, mind you. You are giving yeah, away a level right. of autonomy by doing that. Right, right. Wheelman GT, last one for me. Wheelman GT, any updates on the East Coast trips? Uh, we are about a week away from having signups available. We really are working on it. It's, it's going to be in the Atlanta area. You can see on our website, everydaydriver.com, under the Adventures tab, you can see the Atlanta meetup is October 25th through 27th. That is coming up. It's going to be similar to the Utah meetup with a bunch of different events, and you can go a la carte on what you want to do. It will not be expensive. All the costs will be just our admin fees. Sign up, like I say, is going to start in like a week or so. But that is when it's happening, October 25 through 27. It is the Atlanta uh, metropolitan area. More details coming. There's got a lot of little cool events going on for that one. So I'm excited. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Scott Durrell is asking, when will this epidemic of car manufacturers installing various pieces of ornamental trim on the lower or mid front fender under the fake guise of performance or functionality? When will this end? <laughs> and do I have a list of the worst examples of this oh, practice? Oh, no. You the- asked Paul for a design list. <laughs> I'm sitting back. It's not a list. It's a photo, Scott. <laughs> Mitsubishi <laughs> is the worst offender. Where the European turn signal should be on the front fender there, yeah. it's a piece of chrome nasty. And it they looks, stuck yeah. it in there. Yeah. They found a big box of these chrome Terrible trim pieces. Yeah. And they stuck them in there. Yeah. They're poorly designed. They look terrible. It does nothing. It looks for like the car. a slightly melted Oldsmobile logo. Yeah. I, that's being kind. Well, okay. That's, you know, yeah. with deference to Oldsmobiles everywhere. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah it's terrible. They, they top the list, they end the list. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> the list of one. Thank you for playing. Thank you guys for your questions as well. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Check out the website for the GoFundMe. Just a quick mention on the oh, yeah. upcoming – well, it's it's currently going on, but the upcoming idea where we hope to have the GoFundMe be able to get a Phaeton and a Jaguar XJR <laughs> You to guys want to see us content. suffer really is what this is coming uh, that's down kind to. Of what Thank you is. for those of you that already that have contributed to the GoFundMe <clears throat> yes. in the hopes that we will get these cars and cover them not only for YouTube but also for TV. Again, that GoFundMe is just to get those cars. If we do not raise enough, we are refunding all of the money. If Absolutely, either those cars yes. are not happening – if we get the money, then all of the production expenses and all that, and also the maintenance, will be on the show. But you guys uh, actually said, some of our patrons at the Discord forum said actually that you wanted us to kind of set this up. So we have, we've spent a lot of support already. Thank you guys. It looks like we may end up with those cars. There's a British racing green version on Bring a Trailer right now, unfortunately. We're going to need a little more help, but yeah. it, is, it is off and running. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.